Blog Talk Radio. Okay, we're out here at Phoenix Comic Con. This is our interview number three for the day. And uh, we're talking to Todd Van Hooser. And I've known Todd for, well, three, almost three years now. So we uh, can talk to him about his books. But first, I want to know a little more about Todd for those who don't know him. Hi, I'm Todd Van Hooser, um, fantasy author, and uh, I've got another collection of horror stories. But here at Phoenix Comic Con, most people know me as the Laughing Moon Guy. I've done this for three years now. Um, I'm the author of the Laughing Moon Chronicles. It's an epic fantasy series, and people are. Uh, been, uh, it's been an interesting couple of days. People lining up, to checking out the new books. So it's been a lot of fun. Now, you know, you had your first original book, and that was huge. Yes. A huge book. I mean, not huge, being huge, but huge, like it's over 600 pages huge. Right. Um, you know, fantasy, traditionally, they, they produce large books. And, uh, you know, a fantasy reader typically looks for something they can sink their teeth into, something they can commit to and spend time with. So I certainly wanted to offer up a book that would be a compelling read and something that you know, a, a reader could hold on to and, and invest themselves in time-wise for a while. I wanted to, you know, be in the same category as, as you know, at least with um, the Dragonlance series back in the 80s or the Forgotten Realms or even Tolkien. You know, these are big, fat books that people like to lug around, you know, there's something hearty to it. So. I think Terry Brooks is one of my first fantasy uh, authors that I read, and his, his first book was huge, and I, I didn't, almost didn't read it. Because I go like, that's an awful lot of time to, you know, commit to one book. And my uh, roommate said, oh, no, no, you really got to read this because, you know, you like this kind of stuff. And I said, well, what kind of stuff is that? Well, it really didn't have a real title yet. Huh. Because Cherry Brooks was one of the first to bring it here. Right. So, um, have you ever met Cherry Brooks and, and read any of his work? Um, I've read several of his works. I've never actually met him. I, I did get to meet George R. R. Martin a couple of years ago. Really cool guy. Very eccentric, really interesting guy. Great writer. And um, another guy who enjoys a big, fat book. So, my kind of guy. Yeah, definitely the big, fat books, all of them. <laughs> so, uh, you have a new book out, and it's a smaller book. It is. We um, This is the Weight Watchers version of Laughing Moon. <laughs> uh, I, I like to appeal to a, you know, a large audience. Um, and I think, I guess, I'd, metaphorically, that was the, the Baron 12, because it, it is a large book for a large audience. But a uh, new one is called The Mind's Eye. It is a prequel story to The Baron 12. And at 88 pages, I think that's slim by just about any standards. Yeah, you know, anybody can probably read that in a night, I would think. It's a good book that you can definitely plow through in one setting. Um, however, you know, it, it is a part of an ongoing series. So those people that have read The Baron 12 are going to find a number of little Easter eggs in the mind's eye that they'll recognize. Uh, magic, magical items, characters of interest, plot points that are fully developed later on in the novel. But um, as a standalone read, you know, it, it does tell a complete story. Um, it's a little bit different than anything I've written before, particularly in tone. Um, this is much more of a, ro- of a romance. Um, yeah, just looking at the cover itself, it's kind of a giveaway. It's, this is a, it's a tragedy. Um, someone asked me if I could compare it to anything, and I said, well, it's sort of like Laughing Moon meets The Notebook, but not sucking. <laughs> so on time period, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, this is a tragedy. Um, it's a little bit of love story, a little bit of uh, romance, and a whole lot of revenge. Well, you know, I see a lot of things going on around here, and this is one cool thing about interviewing, you know, 
right in the thick of everything, and you see a lot of zombies walking around, and and you know a lot of other characters. Yeah, there's a predator right across the booth from us right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm just hoping. Oh, he's turning around. We could be in serious trouble here. Could be Patty's last interview. Oh well, you know he's probably just trying to get attention. <laughs> yeah, some really cool characters. That's the great thing about Phoenix Comic Con is that, you know, you're able to see it's like a cross section of pop culture, literally everything that you've been in love with as a child growing up to the most recent releases. There are characters, um, authors, comic book artists, actors. It's just a, a nerdapalooza going on here. <laughs> a nerdapalooza? Is that what you're... I, I think so. Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to put down quotation marks I'm, I'm there. Co- I'm coining that phrase. <laughs> there you go. I get a quarter anytime somebody uses nerdapalooza. <laughs> so, I also know that, that you know game books and gaming yeah. is very much a part of your world and part of your life. So, you know, I know that you're talking about your game book that you've been working on since you're in college. Right. Um, The Laughing Moon series itself is literally a lifelong endeavor for me. I started it, you know, 17, 18 years ago back in college, developing the actual setting with the gods, the magic, the maps, the locations, the cultures, the very people that, that live in my world. And the fiction came first, but shortly after that, we began to develop a tabletop role-playing game. And here in the last couple of years, we've been able to produce that as an actual Laughing Moon product. And just this spring, we've expanded the, the offering with the Laughing Moon game with a couple of new supplements, too. So gamers have been happy. We've, we've got a really decent-sized local fan base, and we're starting to see that expand, which is really exciting. Yeah, I'm going to talk to you about that supplement, those supplements. One is, I mean, there are different things that you are, you know, kind of uh, focusing on. What are they about? Um, Well, the Laughing Moon core rulebook, it's a complete system with one big exception. And and, uh, for gamers, it was kind of a big one. And I I knew it was going to be lacking from the beginning. So I I really wanted to produce something that gamers would be uh, excited to see. And what it is, uh, it's called the Book of Divine Powers, which basically allows character or players to play uh, priestly characters. But in addition to that, it um, it produces, it provides a window into the pantheon of Laughing Moon gods. Um, gamers, uh, particularly D and D gamers, know that you know there's the priestly class is something that's been around forever. I've I've never been satisfied with that as a as a player, as a storyteller, as a game master, or whatever. I was very intent on producing a unique um, divine system that players would be excited to see and something that would be you know, unique to my setting but at the same time offer players something exciting and new to, to, uh, you know, to experience. And I think it definitely does that. The other one is a book of arcane spells which takes the wizarding class in Laughing Moon and expands it to um, you know, all kinds of di- different directions with spells, magical concoctions, potions, different powers, and a little bit more background, too. At heart, I'm a storyteller, so um, embedded within the game is the Laughing Moon story. So any excuse to expand that, I'm, I'm always on top of. Well, I know that your game book itself is just really beautiful. It's, you know, it's full color. It's It looks, it's got the old feel to it. Yeah. You know, it's got the map look to them, to all the pages, and you've got your characters that are just really really uh, detailed oh, and tell how did you come upon you know, thinking about how all these characters that you have in your game yeah. would look like uh, not mm-hmm. only in and obviously I, I've seen that you have pictures as well as right. art, artistic renderings um, you know I I was not willing to produce something that I couldn't stand behind and be proud of and 
I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons. Later, I, I started playing games called Deadlands, and you know there was a, a number of options to to, uh, to play out there. The um, what I wanted to produce mostly, yeah. What I really wanted to produce was a game that has a look and feel of the games that were currently out there, but at the same time, at the heart of it, were games that I grew up loving. So the um, the visual appeal of the Laughing Moon game was very, very important to me. I, I spent a lot of research um, looking at what's currently out there and where that has evolved from, just in the look and feel of it. Then, you know, um, after we started to do the layout, finding artists that were visually appealing um, was a, a major concern, and I stressed over that for months and months. We ended up finding a couple of artists uh, from all over the world. We've got a guy from Brazil, um, a guy from the Philippines, both of those guys I love. The cover artist lives in Miami. We're working with you know artists all over the place that I, I really wanted to see a unique feel for my characters, my creation. So we, uh, you know, we really put our work into this. That's yes, uh, some passion, <laughs> for sure. You can definitely tell, too, that you've got some, you know, picture in there. It's got kind of a duotone look to them. Yeah. And so they're real warm look, yet, you know, it's got that old feel to it. Right. Um, and, you know, in addition to that, we, we wanted to provide a, another window to see these characters and bring them to life. So we made the decision early on to begin uh, a photography endeavor to bring some characters literally to life and allow, uh, you know, people that we knew or people that we could get in touch with to bring those characters to life, um, you know, through costume and character development and then photograph them. And that's been a, a huge component of what Laughing Moon has become, which I never initially expected, but, you know, we've, we've really okay. started to embrace. Yes, uh, we, you know, you got some characters, obviously, from your school. I know you're a teacher, so tell us about that and how that expanded. Oh, that's been just one of the best things that I've been able to do. Um, as a teacher, you know, I, there's so many educational opportunities from a, a role-playing game. There's a history component, a mythology component. Um, you know, you're, you're literally playing out the, the elements of literature that I'm teaching in class, character development, plot arc, etc. Um, on top of that, you're able to provide a safe social environment for teenagers. And a lot of these kids are going home, you know, they're playing World of Warcraft and other games like that on the computer, and they have no idea that they can sit around a table with a group of friends, do the exact same type of thing with pencil and paper, with, you know, miniatures and, you know, with this Laughing Moon book. So at school, we started a, an after-school club, and uh, I've watched that expand over the last few years to, uh, you know, we started with a group of five or six. This year, we just had a, you know, our an award ceremony with 40-some kids that were playing Laughing Moon. And, um, you know, we're at Phoenix Comic Con right now. I've seen probably 25, 30 of my students show up for the very first time because they've been exposed to this world through Laughing Moon. And it, it's just been a, an incredible positive experience that I'm, you know, I'm really excited about and I really like to celebrate with the kids and with the other people I've got involved. So you've pretty much, you know, uh, expanded the geekdom. Yes. Um, it's, it's, I, we have our own nerdapalooza at school, and we're nerding up kids left and right. I, I like to kid. I'm, I'm like a, a nerd virus, I guess. But I say that lovingly because, you know, these kids are they're very loyal fans. They, they're, they're big readers. They like the, the fiction itself. They like the storytelling component. But, um, you know, they're, we're sitting around after school rolling dice and, and you know, having a an experience together that they're just simply not going to get anywhere else, and it's, it's really been great. 
Now, once they leave your school, do they continue to be friends and continue to be in this kind of club setting? That's that's a great question, and the the short answer is yes. It's I've seen friendships formed out of the experiences behind uh, the game, you know, at the actual table. And when you really sit back and think about a role-playing game, you create characters that you're passionate about. They're, you know, you put time and effort into their backstory, into their creation, and then you're literally living and dying with these characters amongst your, your table of friends. So, oddly enough, you see real friendships forged out of that. And certainly, you know, these kids have something in common once they leave this. And right here today with us, we've got a number of kids that are very close friends and have hung out for years now because of this this bond and you know they can point to this one thing laughing moon that they that brought them together and I'm I'm very touched I'm very honored to be a part of that I can see where you know if you really watch you know you you're looking out here and you're seeing the characters you know these kids and and even you know into into their you know 20s and 30s here <laughs> oh yeah who are creating characters and personas right here at con and yeah. Uh, so it's kind of the same thing that you're doing with your with your book. It definitely is. I mean, we've got guys and girls that love to dress up in, in costumes that either they've made or they they put together based on their unique characters. So, you know, that's it's a uh, it's a creative outlet and a, and a creative element that we're really starting to embrace in whole new ways. Um, you know, with some of the other work that we do, that a scene like this is a great part of it that's, con- that's called cosplay. It's these people that dress up as characters. They're they're in costume playing out a, a different character, whether it's comic what? book or anime or whatever. Our people aren't cosplaying. These are yeah. their characters. These are unique characters that they have a sense of ownership for. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a very personal thing that they're able to bring to life. And that's been really exciting for me as the, the creator and the author to see these people so excited about you know, something that, you know, they're leaving footprints in my world, literally, and it's, it's really cool to see that happen. Well, I, I think it's really rewarding, and you know, to have the kids that, that expand and, you know, stay in your world, so to speak. Yes, it absolutely is, and it's not just kids, and I, you know, I definitely don't want to leave the impression it's a kid's game, it's, it's definitely not, but... That's as a very good point. Right, as, as a teacher, you know, that's... The, my, my easiest audience that I, I guess I'm able to, um, to to reach. We've got players that go up into their 50s that are playing Laughing Moon or reading Laughing Moon, but the, the kids in particular, they really like to embrace the, that creative side. And let's face it, they've got a, a whole lot more energy than I do to, to put into costume making and you know walking around in these, these, these character creation or costumes that they've done. So. Yeah, I almost wore my would have worn my costume this weekend. <laughs> I but it, I had a slight mishap in the last last uh, event I went to and went trying to get out of it. I I get <laughs> I get called out on, in the booth sometimes because we'll have you know different people in costume and most of them are girls. So people say, well, why aren't you in costume? And I say, well, the last thing you want to see is me in a chainmail bikini or something. So it's just <laughs> not going to happen. Well, it might be interesting. <laughs> no thanks. Uh, I'm happy just. <laughs> Well, you've got your own persona going on here, because this is like the first time I've seen you in the cowboy hat. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I thought I would just embrace the the, cac- the Phoenix Cactus Comic Con, the Southwest Comic Con, so I'm here in a cowboy hat, rock star cowboy, I guess. I You're know. doing the desert thing. Yeah, that's it. Some, I heard somebody say I'm cosplaying Bono, and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with that, so <laughs> I'm going to start selling my books with an Irish accent. There you go, there yeah. you go, it's 
got to be soulful. You there nice we go. Quiet. If you do nice and quiet, yep. and then the <laughs> that's it. I'll sing him a song. A serenade. <laughs> so, anything else coming up that we need to know about? There's always something. Um, this Phoenix Comic Con for the last couple of years has been a, a tremendous reminder on me that I've got to get work on done on the sequel to The Baron 12. I've had a lot of fans come up today asking. Hey, there's a new book out, and they—they they don't, you know, they're—they're—they're they're, they're purchasing the Mind's Eye. They're excited to see the prequel, but they're very, very eager to see where the story goes from here. They want—they want me to move forward, and I do too. Um, so I'm definitely—that is my priority. I'm going to be spending the summer, you know, buckling down on the sequel to The Baron 12, and uh, really seeing what I can produce on that. Well, I know that you've gotten like crazy busy. <laughs> the last, the last month uh, for Leprechaun, you got the two supplements out, and then. Uh, you know, for Comic-Con here, you got the mind's eye out just last second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, there's two ways to look at that. You can look at it like, wow, Todd's really been busy. You know, it's been a, a productive year. Or you can look at it like, well, Todd's out of excuses. And really, that's what it's come down to. I, I am out of excuses. I've got to work on book two. So that's that's what it's got to be. <laughs> yeah, no, that is. So we're really happy to talk to you. Yeah, uh, we haven't talked to you for a while. Yeah. <laughs> since uh, you know, since your your story. That's right. So I'm yeah. glad to be here. Yeah. It's been it's been a little while, and of course, whenever I say, hey, you know, we need to, need you interviews, or well, just right after I get done with this one book, and then. You, <laughs> Yeah, and not you again. That's why I'm here. <laughs> it works. It works. It's just like, okay, you're doing it now. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad to be here, definitely. So, thanks so much for, for talking to us. And yeah. this is Brent, this is Patty Holstrand, and this is KWAD Radio, and we're signing off. And we'll have another interview in a little bit. And we will be putting this up for everyone tonight. Okay, that one's done. Oh. oh, man. <laughs>